This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, for Chris in Manhattan, we were talking about Jets-Dolphins. Just found it. Xavier Howard did not practice today. We'll keep an eye out on that with the groin injury. Did not practice today. All right, let's turn our attention now. As you just heard at the top of the hour, the regular season is over. And now we start with the postseason beginning with wild card weekend. And the Mets are trying to make my head spin as a Mets fan to try to sort it out for me. We turn to the man who does a great job for SI covering the sport of baseball. He is Pat Ragazzo, and he joins us now here on 987 ESPN. Hey, Pat, how are you? I'm great, Larry. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you, sir. All right. I'm sure you've seen it. Either the Mets are going to start Scherzer in one. If Scherzer wins, then they'll move Bassett in two. If Scherzer, uh, if, if Scherzer loses, then they'll put DeGrom in two. I mean, Pat, what are they doing to me? What are they doing to me? They're driving me crazy here. What's going on? Well, I think the Mets uh, want to line up Scherzer for game one. Um, and, you know, that way – depending on the outcome of Friday night's game, if they win the first game, then that would give them the option of starting Bassett for game two, thus saving potentially Jacob DeGrom for a game one start in the NLDS against the Dodgers, which would also line up to start him for him to start a game five against the Dodgers as well. Now, Buck Showalter did this earlier in his career uh, when he managed the Yankees. They did this back with David Cohn when they were lining him up for the ALDS uh, against the Seattle Mariners. So, um, I think it also uh, another point as well is uh, Jacob DeGrom dealing with a blood blister and a cut cuticle on his hand. So I think uh, the more time you give him, kind of the better. Um, so I, I think that's why all signs kind of point to Scherzer starting game one um, and then depending on the outcome, Bassett in game two. Pat, is, is this one of the reasons why we've seen a different DeGrom over his past three, four starts, some of these injuries with the blister and the cuticle? Because I mean, he's giving up home runs, and he's got an ERA over three. Pat, we don't see DeGrom with an ERA over three. It's been a long time, almost five years. It has been a long time. And in his last three starts, he's given up 11 earned runs, and he has been prone to the long ball. Um, he said that the blood blister and cuticle cut kind of formed in his second-to-last start uh, in in Oakland, um, and then of course we saw him give up a couple long balls against the Braves over the weekend when the Mets got swept. So um, again, I, I just think that the more time they give him to, to heal, the better, you know, because they want a healthy Jacob Degrom going into October into the postseason. Pat Ragazzo from SI is my guest. All right, Pat, let's let's take a look for my fans and listeners at uh, the Padres. We don't see a lot of them, and I thought, like most people, okay, you get Bell, you get Soto. You know, this is going to take – this team is going to just – they're going to fly. They're going to just be so good, and they really haven't. What is going on in San Diego? Well, of course, Juan Soto uh, has been has struggled since the trade. And, um, yeah, these, these acquisitions that the Padres made just haven't really paid off so far. Now, that doesn't mean that they're not dangerous in the postseason, and the Padres have very strong starting pitching as well. Uh, the Mets will have to face Hugh Darvish on Friday night, which is going to be a tough task. And then, of course, Joe Musgrove and Ian Snell will likely pitch in the series as well if it goes to three games. So uh, the Padres are, are a powerful team on paper, and although their acquisitions haven't lived up to expectations just yet, doesn't mean that they're not going to in the postseason. Yeah, there's no question about that. And 
For me, as a Met fan, Pat, my big question is which offense am I going to see with this Met team? Am I going to see am I going to see the offense that just bludgeoned Washington after getting swept where they could only score what six, seven runs uh, against Atlanta? Which offense am I getting? Well, the Mets' offense—the keys to to their offense uh, being productive—is Francisco Lindor and Pete Alonso. Now they're going to be the key if the Mets are going to have a, a productive offensive series against the Padres, and they're going to need to. And it's it's going to be tough to score runs against some of this uh, this Padres pitching. But it really comes down to the three and four hitters. And uh, the Mets have really missed Stalin Marte in the two yeah. this whole month, and uh, it doesn't sound like he's going to be ready for this series, which is a, a pretty big blow for the Mets. Take me through how big a year Jeff McNeil has had, Pat. I mean, you've watched him, you know, a couple of times during your your time covering the Mets for SI. What, what is it about? He's he's teased us with this for most of his career. What what was it about this year that really he was able to put it all together? He's just hitting the ball at a very uh, extremely high rate of contact, and uh, I believe he was batting two ninety four going into July, and then he just caught fire. Uh, towards the end of, of the month of July, and he, he batted, I believe, 371 ever since. So uh, he's not a guy who strikes out a lot, and he puts the ball in play at, at a pretty impressive rate. And, um, yeah, he wound up winning, winning the batting title today over Freddie Freeman. Yeah, it was, you know, it was it was something to see. I'm, I'm very happy for him because, like I said, he's been that guy that's kind of teased us with that ability, and he was able to lock it in. Uh, how do you see this series going, Met San Diego? I think the Mets will win in three games. Okay, so it's going to go three. Okay, sounds good. Let's look at the other National League before we go over to uh, the American League. Uh, Philadelphia-St. Louis. I tell you, this has been interesting. This Philadelphia team has been interesting for me, Pat, because Joe Girardi brought his bench coach over with him, the same one he had with the Yankees, to manage. He gets fired. It's really the same thought process, I would think, the same style that Girardi left. And Philadelphia took off. Is this just a, a situation where Girardi got tuned out? I don't know if he got tuned out, so to speak, but um, I, I do think that that was uh, getting rid of Girardi kind of lit a spark under the steam. And uh, they also were without Bryce Harper for a while. Mm-hmm. They turned it around before they got him back. So um, they're not a team that pitches particularly well and they don't play good defense, but they wound up getting hot and uh, sneaking into that sixth seed in the, uh, in the last wild card spot. So, um, yeah, I think that they have a seriously good offense and uh, as good as the Cardinals have been down the stretch, um, it's, it, that's going to be a pretty tough series for them because the Phillies have been playing very good baseball as well. Phillies and St. Louis, this is an interesting matchup. I mean, you got Zach Wheeler in, in game one. He's probably their most consistent uh, a guy. But you know what? This is a, kind of a feel-good story for Albert Pujols in St. Louis, huh? Yeah, it has been. Of course, him getting over 700 home runs, and he's he's been on fire with a long ball uh, in the last couple months of the season. So, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see the, the Cardinals with Pujols, Wainwright, and Yadier Molina get one last run here in, in October. Let's go over to the American League, Pat. Uh, Tampa Bay and Cleveland. This is a Cle- this is a Cleveland team that you know is is not a lot of us have seen, but they've played well. They won their division, uh, so now they've got Tampa. And, you know, Tampa's been a team that they've had a lot of injuries this year, but they still find a way to win games. It, it's amazing how, how they've been able to do this, Pat, over the past couple of years with very little payroll. I mean, it's got to make Hal Steinbrenner, like, throw stuff in his office. 
Yeah, yeah, that's an understatement. Um, but yeah, the the Rays are, are a team that has kind of done it with smoke, smoke and mirrors, but that's just a credit to their research and development and their analytics department uh, being one of the strongest in the league. And that's why they're in the, in the playoffs again, yet again. And um, Cleveland is a team that kind of surprised people this year too. And um, I think that that series is going to be a, a pretty interesting one considering, uh, you know, both teams were kind of the underdog this year. Pat Ragazzo from SI is my guest. Pat, for me, out of all, and obviously I have a rooting interest in Mets San Diego, so I'm going to put that aside. This Seattle-Toronto series could be a really exciting series. I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, it's it's going to be a very good one. And uh, the Blue Jays have a high-powered offense still, and the Mariners have been like a Cinderella team all year, and they, they broke the longest playoff drought in, in the league, uh, having not made the playoffs since 2001. They, they made it this year, of course. Um, they got Julio Rodriguez, and there's a lot of good players on both sides, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., um, but I, I like the Blue Jays in that series. I think they, they take it two games to one. You think they have enough pitching? I know they can hit. Do they have enough pitching? To, well, I guess with Castillo in the short series, you can you got a good shot. <laughs> for I mean, yeah, yeah, the Mariners. Yeah, because I'm saying for Castillo, course, yeah, it Mariners gives them a chance. Castillo. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Of course. No, the Mariners are very well equipped for this series, but um, I think the Blue Jays will be moving on to the next round. I think they have enough pitching to get it done. All right, I held the Yankees back for a reason, uh, Pat. Let's talk about this Yankee team, and let's talk about what Aaron Judge was able to do uh, this year. I've heard a lot of people talk about greatest season. Some of my colleagues here at ESPN, unbelievable season, greatest season ever. What, where does it rank what Aaron Judge was able to do this season, in your mind? In my mind, this was the greatest season we've seen from a position player in baseball since, really since Barry Bonds. That's that's where where Aaron Judge ranks for me this year. The things he was able to do. He was the most dominant hitter in baseball, and it's going to be exciting. And you hope that that it carries over into the postseason. And that's my question for this Yankee offense. What 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 can we look for from them? I don't know which offense is it. Are we going to get the one that's close to? Because I know they're not as good as they were in the first part of the season. Clearly. But are we going to get an offense that's close to that? Or are we going to get an offense that really struggled in the summer? Yeah, that's that's a big question with them, um, you know. But as long as Judge and Rizzo and Stanton are hitting the way that they're supposed to be, I think that the you know the Yankees should be just fine in October, and um, you know probably will be competing for a, for a pennant uh, over in the American League. Pat, is this the year that uh, do you think this is the year that that Yankee fans will say finally this is the Garrett Cole we saw that that gave us so much trouble when he was in Houston in the postseason? Uh, I mean, it's possible. He had he had over a four ERA in his last 15 starts of the season, um, but he has done it before in the postseason. He pitched pretty well in 2020 in the postseason, and the year before he went to the Yankees when he was on the Astros, yeah, he had a very good uh, October that year for, for Houston uh, when they went and they won the American League. Um, I, I do think that, um, you know, it's certainly possible that, that this is the year that fans are probably finally satisfied with Garrett Cole in the postseason. The other concern you have if you're a Yankee fan is this is a team without a closer, Pat, and in the postseason, you need to kind of know who your closer is. How do you think this this pitching rotation and, and roster is going to shake out for the Yankees? Yeah, that's a question mark. I mean, um, Araldis Chapman hasn't pitched well, of course, down the stretch since he came back from the injured list. Um, at, at this point, it's kind of got to be Clay Holmes uh, who's going to be their closer in the postseason, um, even though that's not cut and dry right now. But 
um, you know, all signs are, are pointing to it being Holmes, you know, just by process of elimination. Last thing, Pat, as we, as, how do you think this is going to play out as we look back after this first round? Do you think it, the rust versus rest issue, how do you think this is going to be? Is it going to be a situation where Major League Baseball, because they added the extra teams, wanted to give an incentive for you to win your division by giving you, you know, a buy in the first round? Is is that rest versus rust thing going to come up? Is it going to be a negative? How do you think it's going to ultimately work out? Of course, that's always something we, we see in football where it's, um, you know, sometimes the teams who get the first round by, uh, they show their rust and it, and it winds up kind of coming back to bite them. But I think with baseball and a sport where you play the game every single day, I think, I think it's actually going to be beneficial to the teams who get the first round by that they're going to be well rested, uh, especially the pitchers who are going to be, uh, you know, having some more rest and, uh, you know, t- time off in between. Pat, where are you? Where, uh, what what uh, series are you covering this weekend? I will be out at City Field covering the Mets and Padres all weekend. So um, it will be interesting to see if we get all three games or, you know, if one of the teams can win it in two. Yeah, it's also going to be interesting to see if Edwin Diaz can continue his magic way he's been. I mean, other than Judge, talking about what Judge was able to do in the walk here, how about what Edwin Diaz has been able to do in the walk here? He totally – he's a different pitcher this year, Pat. He very well could be the first closer to get an $100 million contract, and he's earned every bit of it this year, striking out um, just about half the batters that he faced. Wow, $100 million? That's what, uh, per multiple reports, have been going around that he wow. could, projecting and predicting that he could be uh, the first closer to get $100 million. And, and he, he has been that dominant this year. Pat, what do you think about uh, DeGrom? Does he get a $50 million deal? I mean, I've, I've heard that number floating around as well. Um, I think he'll at least eclipse $4 million because mm-hmm. Max Scherzer is, currently makes the most at $43 million a season. I think DeGrom will get more than that because that's where the market is set at. Um, $50 million might be kind of a stretch given all the time that he's missed, um, and he is still an, you know, an injury question mark, but I think, I think he'll at least get $44 million. Judge back with the Yankees? I don't see how they could let him go. Uh, how about years? See, that's my that's my thing with him, Pat. Is I believe they'll pay him to money the money, but the years might be an issue with what you've seen historically with how they treated Robinson Cano after the situation with A Rod. I'm I'm wondering if if he asks for ten years, I don't know if they'll do ten. Yeah, it's tough because he's going to be 31 years old. Um, so you don't want to give a 31 year old a 10 year contract, but. Um, if it comes down to it where the years are the sticking point, I think, I think they'll do it if, if that's what he wants. Um, but I think in, in the end, the, the average annual value will be the, the biggest sticking point. Pat Ragazzo, have a great weekend out at City Field this weekend. We'll talk soon, my friend. Thanks for a couple of minutes. Sounds great. Thanks so much for having me on, Larry. You got it. This is Pat Ragazzo, covers baseball for SI. We'll come back. We'll take your calls next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Joe and Harvey agree with me. That Seattle-Toronto series, oh, that's going to be I need to, You know what? I need to see if I can get my guy Dave Sims on tomorrow night. Covers uh, who uh, does TV play-by-play for the Mariners. See if I can get him convert, convince him to come on for a couple of minutes and give me a quick preview because, I mean... Toronto, you know, both of these teams can hit. Both of these teams can rake. 
the question becomes who has the better pitching in this series? And, you know, I tell you, and I, I hate to do this to uh, the Yankee fans, but can you imagine if you had Luis Castillo in pinstripes instead of him being in uh, Seattle? If you had Castillo, think about this. You'd have Cole, Castillo, Severino, and Nestor. Or you could have Nestor 3 and Severino 4. I'll take that pitching staff. If I could get Cole to be a little better. Just a little. If I could get Cole to, you know, to not give me crooked numbers in the innings that the offense scores. If I could do that. But that would be, that would be, what? That would be a serious four-man rotation. But it didn't happen. So Castillo against uh, Alec M uh, Manoa uh, up in Toronto. That's going to be a good one. That's uh, Friday, October 7th. Of course, that's when it all begins. Wild card weekend. Tampa and Cleveland will start it off at 12.07 on ESPN. Then 2.07 on ABC. For those of you watching General, General Hospital, you won't be on. Seattle, Toronto, 407 on ESPN. And of course, the Mets and Padres, 807 Friday night. You can watch it on ESPN. You can hear it on 987 ESPN. Uh, I will lead you into that at uh, 7 o'clock and then take you right up to the pregame show and the pregame and first pitch, 807. So we'll have a lot of fun. That's going to be an interesting weekend. It is going to be interesting. And I'm curious. And I get what Pat said about that show Walter had done this previously with the Yankees, with David Cohn and whatnot. But once again, for me, I'm just, just to repeat myself in case you didn't join us early at seven o'clock. I understand the logic of Scherzer and setting it up for DeGrom and with the blister and everything you want to push him back. So I get it. I, I, that makes sense to me, but I'm just saying, if you win, if you win, the first two. Okay, let's say you split the first two. And then you got to go to three. I mean, he would have not pitched in like 12, 13 days. How can I expect him? How can I expect him to be, you know, ready to go? Well, it would be like 10 days. Right? Because he would have pitched that Friday. He would have pitched Friday the uh, sec the, um, the end of September. Right, he would have pitched the week before. He started the series in Atlanta, so he would pitch September thirtieth, and then he would pitch wouldn't pitch again until Sunday, October 9th, or further. Ah, that's that's I, I, don't, I don't know, I don't know. A little concerned, little concerned. I would be a little concerned about him. I'm already concerned about him, <laughs> as you can tell. <laughs> We'll take your calls next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Don't forget, ask Ty Butler at the top of the hour when he takes over here at 98.7 ESPN. Head to the phones. 1-800-919-3776. Jonathan's in L.A. Jonathan, you're next on 98.7. What's up, my friend? Hey, how you going, Larry? Great. I, have a, I have a little question for you, man. Nice, Go. nice. So, last time I was just thinking about it. I guess I was bored or something. So, I was putting, I'm a big Yankees fan, by the way. So, I was putting all the pieces together. And I was like, yo, okay, the Yankees opened the season with the Giants. 
Giants are one of the teams that are going to be the top team to sign Judge. Yo, what does baseball know that we don't? Because you do want to pick up the ratings and all that. Just imagine, like, imagine Judge signing with the Giants, coming back, first game of the year, versus the Yankees in Yankee Stadium. Like, don't you think this is maybe, I hope not. Maybe well, here's the thing, Jonathan. What, what here's, the thing. here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, Go ahead. I I don't think, and I said this earlier when we were talking about the Giants, the Giants have had what three playoff appearances in a decade. Okay, I okay. don't see I, I, Judge is going to go there when he's leaving a team that's in the playoffs every year. I don't think so. But you did also you you did also so Larry you did also say it, like okay what about the Yankees do win the chip? Don't you think that hey I won the chip I'm the king I'm the MVP I've been the MVP in the AL you know what? I'm going to go to San Francisco, lay back for these next 10 years, and uh, get my money in my hometown. But you, but once you've that, tasted winning, Jonathan, and it, once you've tasted winning, that is true. you know, it's different. You know, it's, it's hard to lose. It's hard to be in the, you know, it's hard to be in that, in, 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 that, in that situation because it's going to take more than him to turn that team around. Now, last year, they were miraculous. They were, they were the story. But everybody had a great year last year, Jonathan. I don't know that, and it didn't happen this year. You could see that. So Judge is going there at 32, and going to help turn that team. Around. I, I don't know. I'm not saying it's not possible because listen, you're right, and I made that caveat earlier. If he wins a championship, he might it, it might change how he feels. But still, every season he's been up with the Yankees. He's been in the postseason. That's hard to beat. Yeah. Well, that's hard to beat. Well, thank you. Well, yesterday I, I had like 10 minutes that I couldn't sleep. I was just thinking about that. I was like, oh, what about the judge? What about the Giants right here? All my friends. Jonathan, do yourself a favor. Jonathan, do yourself a favor. Listen to me. Do yourself a favor. Okay. Enjoy the postseason. Don't worry about him leaving yeah. yet. Just enjoy the postseason. Enjoy having him. Celebrate the 62 home runs that he had. Celebrate how dominant he's been this season. And hopefully it continues in the postseason, my friend. Thanks for the phone call. Don't lose sleep over losing Judge. You still have him. It's too early to lose sleep over Aaron Judge. Enjoy. Enjoy the postseason. Please, you have to worry about that enough. As soon as the Yankees are done, that's going to be the first thing. Well, Aaron Judge be back. <laughs> Where is he going? And, and listen. God forbid they lose in the first round again, you know, the first time they play. For please, it'll be it will be done. Ah, oh, here we go. Hey, would you come back if you were judge? <laughs> I could just hear the different takes. Would you come back? Look at the team around him. He's got nothing to work with. What? Why would you come back here? And and here here here's the worst nightmare, guys. Here's the worst nightmare. Yankees go early. Mets go early. Oh, the Mets are going to get in because they don't have a lot of home run power in the lineup. It's a, it's a no-brainer. Oh, Steve Cohen's not going to sit around for this. He's going to see, going to snap Judge up in a minute. Richmond's in Indiana. Richmond, you're next on 98.7. Richmond. Yes. You're on the air. Well, at least you were. <laughs> I mean, what is it? I mean, Harvey, what was he doing? Cleaning up? 
Sound like he was sweeping. Sounds like it to me. Sound like you know late night duties or something. I'm not sure yeah. what that is. Come on, you gotta be ready to go. When Joe and Harvey tell you, put you on, tell you, hold on, be ready, turn your radio down, all that stuff. We're be ready. Not Come a, on now. Not everybody gets this time, you know. That's it. Don't make me yell like Rothenberg at 6 a.m. in the morning. Brian's in West Palm Beach. Hey, Brian, you're next on 98.7. How you doing? I wanted to talk about the Yankees, the roster Go. for I, I, I want. I believe we're going to play Cleveland. Um, I don't want Hicks on on the roster. Uh, I know Stanton's hit a couple of home runs, but basically. In September, his batting average has been around 200, uh, striking out a lot. Uh, So that means you don't don't want him on the roster? Are you saying you don't want Uh, Stanton on the roster? No, no, no. He can be be on the roster. Okay. I don't don't trust Araldis Chapman. I hope hope that uh, that Clay Holmes gets back. I don't know if he's going to be back in a week. Mm-hmm. But uh, overall, um, disappointed in Donaldson. He plays a good third base, but he hasn't hit at all. And mm-hmm. DJ LeMayu just came off the injured list. Hopefully, DJ LeMayu will start hitting. He started hitting in the uh, Texas series, the mm-hmm. four games they played in Arlington. So, but I like the Yankees rotation. I like. Um, I think you like Cole. You confident? Uh, somewhat. He's got. He's he's got a. He's got to lay. Uh, he's he he needs to uh, not strike out as many guys. I know it sounds strange because it keeps the pitch count down. Because also, uh, he's the kind of pitcher who led the, the American League in home runs. But I like mm-hmm. Cortez and I like Severino. So I like I like their top three going against Cleveland. I really like Cortez a lot, and I, Severino pitched really really great the other day. So My Brian, who, who do you? I'll, I'll let you finish in a second. Who do you have coming out of your bullpen before Holmes? Who who are the guys that's in your in Brian in West Palm Beach circle of trust? Uh, I I like uh, Wandy Peralta and I like Lewiziger mm-hmm. uh, and I like Scott Efros right now. Okay. I I and a situational lefty uh, 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 licky against lefties, but not against righties. You okay. know what I'm saying? Gotcha. But, I'm just, you know, I, I I really like Holmes of the of the April, May, June, July rather yeah. than the July. You know, what I'm saying it's just I, I do. You know, who the I Yankees do. really miss more, and you guys don't talk about him. Michael King. He was. Oh yeah, really, we talked really about it a good. lot. Absolutely. Okay, Thanks for the saying, phone call, Brian. Enjoy the yeah, games bye. this weekend. Bye. Uh, enjoy when the Yankees play. Uh, here's the thing. Um, Holmes. The problem is. I think, and thanks again, Brian, I think you're going to get, I don't know which homes you're going to get. That's the concern. I don't know. And see, here's the other issue is that, and we've seen it with other series, right? The more you see guys as a batter, the more you understand how their ball breaks and the more you're able to time it. And the more you're able to see certain things, that becomes your advantage and the pitcher's disadvantage. You know what I mean? So that's that's what makes this so interesting about the postseason. And I really it really was driven home to me a couple of seasons ago when the Yankees were like, 
yeah, we don't have the starting pitching is not great, but we got an outstanding bullpen, baby, and we're gonna rock that bullpen. And they use that bullpen every single night in the series. You Yankee fans know what I'm talking about. To try to get, I mean, twelve and 15, fifteen and twelve outs. I mean, that's a lot to ask. <laughs> I mean, everybody's got to be on point. Everybody's not going to be on point. Every night, it's not going to happen. It's not. So that's the concern you have. And it just looks like Holmes has Holmes lost his command. I mean, the sinker was unbelievable. People were pounding that thing in the dirt. But either they've they've timed it or they've watched some some video on him or he's tipping pitches or something. But he doesn't have the control and he gets behind batters and they just sit and wait for the fastball and then it's been a problem. And then he got hurt. So hopefully Holmes will get ready. He'll be back. Uh, but you need him. You need to have some you need to have some stability in that bullpen. But Bryant, I agree with you a thousand percent. I can't see a Rodgers Chapman on the on the on the rotation in in on the uh, roster for this first series. I can't. I don't see how you could do it. I just don't. I just don't. We'll continue the conversation next on ninety eight seven ESPN. This is ESPN New York tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on ninety eight point seven ESPN. We'll hear from Ty in a couple of minutes. I got to figure out what what is his what, what's going on with him in General Hospital and this anger that he's got um, with Philadelphia St. Louis. I mean, it's a one time thing. I'm sure that somebody else will carry GH if he needs to see it. But we'll we'll find out what's going on with Ty Butler in a couple of minutes. Anthony's in Brooklyn. Anthony, you're next on ninety eight seven ESPN. Hey, great show as always. You know, I was I was watching a game where, you know, Tua got hurt and Tua didn't really look like himself. He had so many wide receivers that were open deep and it just seemed like, you know, he couldn't just, you know, outthrow them. He couldn't get it deep. I think this is such a trap game for the Jets this weekend. I mean, they're home. Miami's favored by minus three. You know, when Teddy Bridgewater came in, I, I, he looked really good. He still got some arm. I, I really think, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm a Jets fan, but I really think the Jets are in trouble this weekend. I just hope they don't take them lightly. Anthony, my friend, let me share this with you. As a Jet fan, you know this. The Jets aren't good enough to have a trap game. <laughs> They're not good enough to think this is a trap game. What they need to do, and thanks for the phone call, what they need to do is build some wins together. Play well. I'm not saying that this is an easy Jet win. I said it was winnable. I'm, I wouldn't pick the Jets to win this game. Why would I think the Jets would win this game? They haven't won a divisional game since I can't think of it. It's been a while. It's been a while. But they were, Samini told you, it was shut out last year in the division. So, and especially with this young secondary, I mean, you know, Waddle, Tyreek Hill, this is a tough assignment. And you've got a defense that's played well, went toe-to-toe, did a decent job against uh, Buffalo, whom everybody is picking to be your Super Bowl champion. I mean, come on. This is not going to be easy for the Jets at all. And I'm not – I hope you didn't get that impression. If you did, you know, please, that's not what I'm saying. 
I'm saying that it's a winnable game because of the fact that uh, you know you you're playing better. The starter is out, and Bridgewater is still a very talented quarterback. He's just not as good as Tua right now. Okay, and there's things that you can do with him against him that you might not can do with Tua. So we'll see what happens. Now, this is going to be a very interesting decision for Jeff Robrick, and we've talked about it a lot, and that is how is he going to defend? Is he going to go zone? Is he going to go man-to-man? As I mentioned earlier, I think what they have to do is very simple. they got to mix it up. They can't, you can't do one thing because Bridgewater is a veteran. He'll pick you apart. He'll pick you apart in a young secondary, and they better communicate this week because if they don't, I mean – the cheetah is going to be flashing the peace sign going into the end zone. And that's not what you want. Now, we talked a lot. Just we haven't touched on the Giants. The Giants are in London this week. They will be facing Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. And this is an interesting game for me in the sense of I'm, I'm curious to see what the Giants are going to do at quarterback. Okay, what, what's, what's the game plan for, for Daniel Jones if he, gets re, if he re-injures himself, re-injures that ankle, has some trouble, can't go? What are they going to do? I'm very curious. Aaron Rodgers and this, uh, this, this Green Bay Packer team, they're having trouble scoring. I mean, they shouldn't, just in my humble opinion, with all due respect to Bill Belichick and what he does defensively, uh, this should not have been a, the Green Bay should not have needed overtime to beat New England. Okay, they should not have needed overtime, but he's still getting he's still trying to build chemistry with his receivers. All right, the running game is okay, and so for the Giants, uh, they have to find a way to keep Aaron Rodgers off the field. And I don't know if Daniel Jones, because one of the things that Dayball has done with Daniel Jones that has been smart is that he knows that Daniel Jones runs well with the football. And as you saw what he did last week, he let him run with the football because that's what he does well. Now, is he going to allow him to do that with Green Bay? No, Daniel Jones is going to have to throw the football. And the question becomes, to whom will he throw it to? Is this the week that Kenny Galladay says, you know what, I'm tired of this nonsense. I'm going to play, throw me the football and let me make plays. In other words, is he going to, much like our colleague Keyshawn Johnson's book, are they going to throw him the damn ball? And if they do, will he catch the damn ball? That's the other question, because he hasn't been. And help me out, where is Kadarius Tony? Sure could use him this week. Still hurt. Sterling, Sterling Shepard hurt. So, now he had a he had a uh, Jones had a night and I can't think of the tight end's name, but he had a pretty good couple of, of of connections with with the tight end. This is obviously going to be the Saquon Barkley show again, and Saquon has had a tremendous four games. He really has. He's been lights out. He's had cutting. He's had uh, he's been moving the football. He's been catching the football. And for me, that's what I think is the next step. I mean, I know he can do the Wildcat. We saw that last week. But, I mean, for me, that's the next step. Line him up in the slot. Line him up as a receiver. He's got great hands. Throw him the ball. I mean, he's already your offense. Just continue to make him your offense. But for me, with the ankle, what does that do to Daniel Jones, right? That that could limit some of his ability. And so does that make him more of a passer and more and in making him more of a passer, 
does that mean now that he's got more of a ch more chances for interceptions and turnovers? He's done a really nice job so far with keeping the turnovers down. And I think Brian Dayball has done a great job in managing him. He's made him a quarterback that manages the game. And I think right now, for the way they are in their situation, that's the best thing, to manage the game. Don't mess around. Don't turn the football over. Keep it in the hands of the defense. And let's see what the defense can do. And so we'll see how this defense will respond to Aaron Rodgers, his ability to move, his ability to throw from weird angles and throw on the run, you know, his ability to read defenses. And I'm very curious also to see how Wink Martindale is going to attack him because veteran quarterbacks like he, like Brady, guys who have seen every type of defense that you could think of, there's keys that they look for, and they'll pick you apart. And Martindale, we know, loves to blitz. As a matter of fact, when you look at Baltimore, they don't blitz as much, and that defense is not as good. They're not playing as well. So the fact that he had these exotic blitzes must be something about Ravens D coordinators, right? Ryan was down there with exotic blitzes. Martindale down there with exotic blitzes. All in the lab cooking up these things. Uh but Martindale's done a decent job with that. And so that's what he's going to have to do to try to keep Aaron Rodgers guessing as to where he's going to go. So, listen, I don't think the Giants are going to win this game. I would be surprised if they win this game. But listen, why not? They've played well enough to be in games. And for them, that's great. <laughs> All right? It's going to make them have – force them to make an interesting decision later in the year if they continue to be in games with Daniel Jones. And that's been some of the conversation during the week here on 98.7. Are you going to have to make a contractual deal with Daniel Jones at the end of the year because of the fact that he has managed the game so well that he's won some games and it buys you time to be the guy that ties over until you – Find another quarterback or get one in the draft or whatever you're going to do. So it's, it's a real, it's shaping up to be a really interesting situation as opposed to what many of us thought was going to be a three or four win giant team. They'll get a quarterback in the draft. They'll say goodbye to Daniel Jones. They'll say goodbye to uh, Saquon Barkley and they'll start fresh. So that's going to be interesting to see what they do there. In a couple of minutes, you will hear the dosset tones of one Ty Butler at the top of the hour. He will Fill in for Gordon and myself on ESPN New York tonight at 10 o'clock and take you till midnight. So we can line up the calls for him right now, 1-800-919-3776. He'll talk a little baseball with you. He'll talk some football with you. I'd love to talk basketball with you. So, um, Ty Butler, what's going on, my friend? Larry, Larry, what's? Uh, I should be asking you what's going on, seeing that your team just blew a 10-and-a-half game division lead. I just want to make sure everything's okay. You feeling okay? Everything is okay. We, we, if your team just had five more games to lead before you blew yours. Well, I mean, they won the division, and they're going to be resting uh, the, the first round, which yeah. sets up a scenario that exists when the next time the Yankees play, the Mets might be home for the winter. It's but, true, and it gives you time to get a bullpen. Yeah, I know, by committee. I don't love that. I'll be honest. <laughs> I, I, I think at this point, I, I might trust Larry Hardesty to close out the ninth inning more than those other guys.
Well, you know, I, so the soft tossing left, he's still got some stuff in the left arm. I, I, could, I could throw some off-speed stuff now. I, I could get some guys out. I could get some guys out still. But you're a Met fan, so you might be serving some up on purpose. Yeah, you know what? I, I got to tell you, Ty, it was not a good look. I was, I was, for you to have, and you're going to make me rehash this. Thanks a lot. For you to have that opportunity where you got your top three guys to go in and none of them pitch well. Oh, man. That that's brutal. So hey. now you know you're looking at the series with San Diego, and you're like, okay, what am I expecting? I don't know what to expect from this team. It's it's hard to count them out, right? Because they're the favorites, and rightfully so, over San uh, over San Diego. But just considering how everything kind of fell apart at the end, you just wonder psycholog psychologically for a team devoid of postseason experience how it's going to play. And they have guys who have pitched, who have played in the postseason, obviously. But I'm saying this iteration of the Mets collectively hasn't. I, I'm just interested to see how they deal with that pressure just fresh off of what just transpired against the Braves. I didn't know how badly I would miss Starling Marte. Oh, man, he's so huge. <laughs> I was actually at City Field when he hit that walk-off against the Yankees. Oh, I miss him. He, he's, he's big for your lineup because your offense struggles – and he's one of the guys who can you you can really count on to produce for you. But yeah. you should be fine. Yeah, we should be. We should be in the first round. Now when we start talking about Dodgers and Atlanta again, you know, oh, I don't know. Hopefully we can at some point. I would love to do this before a Yankees Mets World Series game. So let's do that. Yeah, let's this little crosstalk. We can we can. Trade some jabs and, and have fun with that. Yeah, we can at that. So, well, good luck. Thank you, man. It's good well, to talk to you. It's been a while. Absolutely. It's been a while. It's been around. So, once again, line them up for Ty, 1-800-919-3776. Uh, that wraps up this edition of the Dan Grasser Show. Larry Harsley filling in for Dan. Thanks to Rich Cimini. Thanks um, also to uh, the baseball writer for the for Sports Illustrated, for Sports Illustrated Pat Ragazzo. And uh, Ty Butler's next on 98.7 ESPN. By the way, Ty, no General Hospital Friday. I'm sorry.